Hello, I really hope you're doing well uh, today. This last three weeks, I've been focusing on what Jesus said his followers should be in his most famous message, the Sermon on the Mount. Today, I'm going to emphasize how. Specifically, we're going to see how parents who live as authentic Christ followers help their kids grow into people who are blessed by God. We need to know how God defines effective parenting and what his framework is to achieve it. And he's spelled it out clearly. The normal path to effective parenting in the U.S. is some combination of the following. Putting kids in the right schools, getting them busy in healthy activities, helping them and encouraging them to have a pursuit that's going to build character like sports or music, doing the right things like going to church. I mean, we, we want to make God happy enough so that he blesses us and our life. And, you know, we're trying to figure out what that is. Um, these things are good, but they're just not enough in raising kids if we want them to grow into the character that brings God's blessing on their lives. Take note of this description of what Jesus called his apostles to. We've been uh, working out of speaking, I've been speaking out of the Sermon on the Mount, and what you see in the way that he trained his followers, his first followers who became apostles, is they were always around. So they would have been listening to this message and understanding kind of what's important to him and how he wants them to approach life. Mark three fourteen through 15 says, He appointed 12, designating them apostles. These were the 12 guys who would really revolutionized the world with the movement of Christianity. And here's what he designated them to. This is what he appointed them to do, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Jesus called his first followers to be with him. For three years, they watched Jesus live. And as they watched, he intentionally set the example of God's way. In fact, he didn't have to be that intentional. He was God. And so he he showed them by example God's way. He highlighted for them what was most important situation by situation. And then he would explain what he was doing, what was going on with a Q&A or with a statement. Uh, he would explain what he was doing and why he was doing it. I'd like to share a clip from the trailer of a crowdfunded TV series, The Chosen. Let's watch this together. I'm trapped. No more talking, Simon. Maybe God can get your attention now. Hi. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I saw him. It 
was incredible. You have experienced a miracle. You are healed. What do you want from me? Follow me. He performs miracles and seeks no credit? Who did this? I don't know his name. His time for men to know has not yet come. We've, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Anything is possible now. Don't you see? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I really enjoyed the first season of The Chosen uh, because of how it shows the disciples being with Jesus and how he developed them and showed them the values of his kingdom and the character of his kingdom. They spent three years with him. Now, he really enjoyed life. He was winsome. I mean, I don't think you could inspire people to pay the price they paid to get the movement started if if you're not enjoyable and if you're not winsome. And they ate with him, what you see in in the, the series. And what he did in real life was he ate with them. He They watched him handle situation after situation. They saw the men that he opposed and his courage in the face of opposition. They saw how he loved kids and how kids loved him. They saw how he respected women and how he treated them and raised the level of value of women in that world and how he believed in them, the men who would turn the world upside down literally with this movement. Jesus, in his working with the disciples, he showed us the pattern for helping others catch values. They're caught like you catch a common cold. They're contagious. And it's the framework for effective parenting. Family life is the perfect place to catch values. And if you don't have kids, uh, you, you can apply this to the church family. The church family is designed to be the perfect place to catch values and grow in character. Families spend a lot of time together. And there is one essential ingredient that must be in place in families and in the church family for the impact to be the greatest on values and character. And that is authenticity. One thing the disciples couldn't miss as Jesus lived and taught and explained what was most important to him as they spent three years with him was how much he hated hypocrisy. 
Jesus said some very straightforward things in this sermon. And in fact, in his teaching overall, he spoke strongly against empty religion and hollow religious activities. He taught that a real relationship with God is far more important than being religious. What your kids need to see in your life is authenticity. If you're going to impart the values and help them develop the character that will set them up for a blessed life. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Christianity isn't primarily a religion with religious activities. It's primarily a relationship with Jesus Christ where we know him and we learn to follow his ways. Have you ever seen uh, masks like this? In Greek plays, actors would play different characters by wearing these different masks. The Greek word for these actors was literally behind the mask. And the word was hypocrites, the root word of our word hypocrite in English. Jesus condemned hypocrisy throughout his teaching and his life, and he opposed it in the religious establishment of his day. One reason he hated hypocrisy so much is the impact that it has on families and on the church family. It repels kids from in families from adopting God's values. If you profess to be a Christian and you're a hypocrite, that is going to push your kids away from adopting God's values and developing the character that really blesses the kids and pleases him. It also repels people from being a part of God's family. That's one of the number one complaints or in the top five complaints of why people who aren't yet Christ followers don't want to be around it. The opposite of hypocrisy is not perfection. It's spiritual authenticity. If I admit that I fail to match up to God's standard, I'm not being a hypocrite, not if I admit it. So I need to humbly admit that when I when I mess up. When I fail, if I ask God to forgive me, and aim to grow in Christ-likeness and ask him to help me with that, then I'm being authentic. The first step toward authenticity is not getting your act together so that you're meeting the standard of your own effort, but it's knowing that you don't meet that standard and admitting it. If your kids watch you as you live out a real relationship with God, admitting when you've done wrong to God and to them, they will be pulled along to follow the God you serve who is so merciful and gracious. This is the way it works. 
Hypocrisy is destructive in the lives of parents. It ruins relationships, and it pushes their kids away from the very values that they hope to develop in them, and that will bring God's blessing on those kids. So we should not be hypocrites. That's that's pretty obvious <laughs> that we shouldn't, but what should we do to be proactive parents who raise our kids to be blessed by God. If you're going to raise kids to find God's blessing, they need to see authentic faith in you. And they need to be immersed in an environment in your home where they get the picture of living God's ways and doing life his way and exercising faith in him. Needs to be a part of everything that you do. Let's turn now to see God's plan for effective parenting. It's basically what Jesus did with his disciples. They, he called them to be with him. And is there no better place? I mean, we're with our kids a lot. And so the family provides a fantastic context for developing values and character. We get very stressed about making sure our kids are involved in the right things so that they can have a good life. We don't want them to miss out on any good stuff. Um, But God says the environment, the atmosphere of the home is much more important than what we do. We're going to see today that God has been very clear about the right environment for effective parenting. And you see this back at the very beginning of the scripture in Deuteronomy. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. If you don't love God and obey his commandments, your kids are going to know it. That's no secret to them. Parents who have a real relationship with God that grows out of their love for him are God's plan for parenting. Let me say it again. Parents, you are God's plan for raising your kids, for developing in them a heart to follow Jesus and developing the character that is like his that will bring his blessing on their life. Not a church. The church isn't the plan. Parents are the plan. Not a Christian school. It's not the plan. Not that those are bad. Obviously, church isn't bad. But one to two hours a week in church won't cancel out all the hours at home. So our goal as a church is to partner with parents to help them grow in their walk with God and their understanding of him and become effective parents. Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9 says that once you get God's word on your heart, you impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. If you profess to be a Christian, your kids are going to learn more about the Christian life from you than anyone else. Whatever they hear anywhere else will be reinforced or drowned out by what they experience in the home. Our kids are watching and listening to us. Here's how kids learn God's significance in the home. They learn it by how much we talk about him, by how much we include him in our approach to everyday life, by our involvement in church life and how much we talk about that. They can tell what you're excited about by our example and explanation of our own walk with God and our own walk in the Holy Spirit, uh, by the impact of sharing our faith, the importance it's given in our family life, by our action steps to advance and extend his kingdom, by whether or not we admit our sin, ask forgiveness, and make things right with the people around us. Your biggest enemy in parenting is living a half-baked Christian life. And at the same time, living a full-throttle Christian life is your greatest power. That's how it's going to happen. You are showing your children what life is all about. According to Scripture, life is about God. Knowing him, loving him, obeying him, and bringing God glory, that's above everything. He's number one in our lives. Becoming Christ-like in character is another thing that, that life is about, according to Scripture. Expressing God's love to others and showing his kindness to them. Stewarding our possessions, both material and spiritual, under God's rule. Teaming up with others to extend this kingdom. This is what life's about, according to Scripture. Situation by situation, our kids are learning as we respond to both hard circumstances and bad situations and good ones. As we explain things to them, what we are facing and how we're trying to handle it from God's perspective in the Scriptures. Life is the perfect learning environment for our kids to catch the values of God's kingdom. Situation by situation, our kids are learning by what we sacrifice for, get upset about, get discouraged over, get excited about, rejoice over, do repeatedly, choose to do when life is busy, what we don't choose to do, what falls by the wayside when life is busy, uh, what we punish and what we praise. You can't fake it. What's in our hearts is going to spill out in front of our kids as we live life with them. That's why God's word needs to be on our hearts and why we need to ask him to keep growing us in character as we walk through life with him. I'd like to invite my wife, Cindy, This is going to be the best part of this message today, by the way. Um, I'd like to invite my wife, Cindy, to share with us today. Uh, Our kids are both grown. 
um, 34 and 30. Our, our baby is just turned 30. And uh, Cindy's going to share with us kind of some very practical things that she used to do. She was really good at creating an environment uh, that really helped our kids come along in their adopting God's values and, and character. Hey, honey, I really appreciate you sharing with us today. And I'm really grateful that there's some beauty on the set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so wanted to ask you, what are some ways that you help helped our kids? They're grown now, of course, but uh, how, how did you help them understand the importance of God's word, the Bible, and put it into practice? Well, as I thought back to what I did to help Dad and Lindsay understand the importance of God's Word um, and then begin to put it in practice, I came up with a list of things that I thought was helpful. But as I thought about it, I really wanted to share with you all what truly helped them. So I asked... um, what might be a daunting question to those of us who have raised our children and they're now adults. I asked them for feedback. And um, what they both said, the most important thing was, was that I was an example. And they said a couple things that I think um, maybe were a little surprising to me, but um, really drove the point home. They said that... um, my example spoke louder than anything I did, and that they knew that the Bible was real in my life. Now, that is truly a testament to the work of God in and through a life, because I am certainly not a perfect example. But what they did see is they saw me spend time in God's Word, reading it, memorizing it, studying it, And most importantly, being changed by it and choosing to live by it. And so I, so being an example of actually, um, showing that God's word is super important in your life is, is very key and was confirmed by them. But along with that, um, I would talk to them about, um, what God's word had to say about various areas of their life and show them how to put it in practice. So an example of that was um, starting very early in their lives, we would reference Ephesians 4.32. And the first part of that verse says, be kind to one another. So we talked about that and we practiced that as we talked about the importance of treating others rightly. And coupled with that, Um, We talked about the last phrase of that verse, which says, forgiving one another as God through Christ has forgiven you. So we talked about that part of the verse as we referenced clearing up relationships and asking for and giving forgiveness when we as a family or them as siblings were not kind to one another. Um, We we found, Randy and I both found, that in the flow of life, there were always opportunities to example the importance of God's word, how it applies to life, and then ways to put it into practice. And then as they got older, 
we um, we took opportunities, Randy with that and, and I with Lindsay, to um, show them how to read God's word for themselves. So show them how to have a quiet time and how to study God's word. And then we uh, we prayed that they would choose God's word as the guidebook for their life. That's that's fun. I know also one of the things that we did as a family was as we're watching a TV show or a movie, we we responded to it. We filtered what was seen on the screen mm-hmm. through the word of God and talked about how God would have us do that same thing or, or whatever. So that, that's fun. Um, so how did you help them be motivated to participate in the church and extend God's kingdom in this world through the church? Well, again, I went ahead and asked that and Lindsay for some feedback on that, on just what motivated them to participate in, in the church and its mission and then continue to do that as adults. And um, there were like five ways that, that they, they spoke to and that I had thought through that really helped with that. And one was making participation in the church a priority in my life. So they said they saw that, that it was a priority for me. And then um, what I tried to I tried to take that a step further and really talk about its benefits. So, for example, um, on on maybe community group night, I would talk with them about how I had this opportunity while they were playing with their friends. They had this opportunity to play with their friends, and then I had an opportunity to meet with other adults and really learn how to grow in my relationship with God. And that actually helped me to be a better mom. And so tried to really connect the importance of making church participation a priority and then letting them hear about and hopefully see the benefits of that. Um, Another way we did that, uh, just help them learn and be motivated to participate in church life, was including them in as appropriate in ways that we were serving. And so um, often, if I was preparing a meal for someone who was sick, um, they would help with preparing the meal. They would help me take the meal over to the family. Another way they, early on, they were able to do it as we would, as we would host people in our home, we would talk about how they could share their, their toys with the friends that would be um, coming over. And so just different ways that we can include them in serving and sharing. Along with that, we, um, one thing that was really important was that we explained what we were doing and why we were doing it. And so, Getting, going back to the example of taking a meal, we would, um, we would tell them we're sharing and helping our friend is sick, that's sick because God tells us that it's a good thing to be kind and to help and to serve others. So explaining what we were doing, um, and why we were doing it was very key. Um, another thing that, that they both mentioned that I hadn't really thought about was they said that they did not feel pressured to participate in the ministry of the church, but that we provided opportunities and we took them along. And um, so they found that they enjoyed being a part of it. And a part of that was that it was not expected that they do it. 
So just not pressuring them to participate, but giving them opportunities and bringing them along was really key. And then um, another thing, probably the last thing that was really helpful was sharing with them about what God was doing in other churches, in our network, and then in ministries around the world. And then letting them know how the resources we were giving, either in money or sending people, um, were helping and how they were a part of that. So it kind of gave them a broader perspective of ministry and spreading, um, extending God's kingdom around the world. I think one of the byproducts of that was that um, people that were doing ministry at Church in the Valley or in churches that we had started or churches they knew of and, and ministries around the world, those people began to be their heroes of the faith. And um, that happened pretty naturally. We would talk about them, but then they became heroes. And I think it gave them kind of a vision for what their life could be about. And so we just found that giving them a picture of what it looked like to participate in church and then including them in what was happening here and abroad in other states um, just piqued their interest and gave them a vision for how they could be a part and how they could choose it for their own lives. Hey, thanks for taking the time to get prepared for this. I think that's very practical and Mm -hmm. gives a picture of what God wants us to try to do to be effective parents. Thanks, babe. Oh, you're so welcome. (laughs) If you're new to church life, uh, if you just decided to follow Christ and you're new to walking with God, you don't need to know everything there is about the Bible. You you just need to get into it and begin to let God speak to you through it and then start letting God teach you how to live so you can pass on what you're learning to your kids. God has this amazing ability to teach us exactly what we need to know and what the kids need to know at a given point in time. And then after you start learning these things, talk with your kids about them. What are your kids picking up from the environment in your home? You share coals uh, by passing them around in the family. The kids and the family, maybe one way or the other, they get exposed to the germs in uh, the, the cold. This is how faith is caught. Kids get exposed in the environment of the family. That's God's plan. That's, that's how he's designed things to work. If, if you haven't talked about God a lot in the home, you may be wondering how you're going to bring up the subject of God and start talking about it. Um, if you're new to following Christ, you could say something like, I've, I've just decided to follow Christ, and he's the most important thing in my life, and I want to start sharing with you what he's teaching me. Or, you know, I haven't been sharing the most important part of my life with you, and I want to start doing that. It might be a little awkward at first, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start bringing you in to what God's teaching me. It's very easy to absorb the culture around us and parent accordingly. That's, 
That's default mode. And I'd like to wrap up with a picture that helps us see what's most important in life and in parenting. Our children are born, and we begin to help them develop in the areas that will support the weight of a life. As parents, our role is to get them prepared for their roles, responsibilities, and relationships, all the stewardships, as the scripture says, uh, the things that we're responsible for. We get them prepared for adulthood this way. So we begin to help them uh, grow in different areas. In a sense, we help them build the pillars to support the weight of a life. At first, when they are small, we pay attention to their physical development. Then, when they go to school, we begin to focus on their mental development. As time goes by, we want to help them grow socially as they're starting to interact with more and more friends and family. Uh, Social experience and the ups and downs involved in the social experience turns our focus to their emotional growth. We want them to be healthy and happy emotionally. And there is one pillar in the center of the building that bears more weight than all the others. And it's something that we tend to ignore in our culture. But it determines what a person becomes and how he bears the weight of trouble as he walks through life. It's the spiritual pillar. This is the lost core in our culture to a truly significant and meaningful life. This is what it's all about. This is the core that parents should make the center of family life, God and what he's doing in the world and how we can participate in what he's doing. God has shown us how to be effective parents. Jesus reinforced it by teaching about it. He taught against hypocrisy. And he showed us how to do this in the way that he trained his first disciples. The first thing is to be authentic in the way that you relate to God and you talk about him with your kids. Then be intentional about learning and then teaching God's ways of living to your kids and show them how to do it. As the Lord spoken to you this morning, as I've walked through the truths in his word, uh, maybe you're ready to make a commitment to follow him. Let us know. We would love to know uh, so that we can encourage you in it. There's, there's a couple places to check on the connection card below this video. Contact me about clarifying my commitment to Christ or send me information about becoming a follower of Christ. Maybe your next step today is to get real with God. Maybe you've been faking it in some ways. Just admit to God that you've blown it. Ask his forgiveness. He'll give it to you and then pick up and keep moving. Maybe it's to read the Bible and start getting into it and learning his ways, asking God to speak to you through it, to spend time with him. The Bible reading plan that we've been sending out is a great place to start with this. Um, and you can let us know if you'd like to receive that on the connection card below. If you want to grow 
and spend time with Jesus and his people. That's how you grow. If you want to grow, then spend time with Jesus and his people. There may be another step that the Lord has laid on your heart to take, and I'd encourage you to take that because obeying God is the path to finding his blessing and becoming the people that will really bless those around us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for our children and the stewardship they are, the blessing they are. And I ask you, God, to help us parent in a way that blesses our kids. I pray, God, that those of us in the church family, that we would be real with you first and real with one another and live as genuine, authentic people who are trying to follow Christ. Would you help us to do this? We ask for your strength and power to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.